Well, we want you in this church to make sure that you understand what we believe. We want you to make sure uh, that you are ready and prepared when we get the holidays. And we don't want it to be a big letdown at the end. Um, And especially with Easter, uh, it was a great Easter, I think, last week. I think the services were great. Um, But we want you to keep that in your heart, all right? Keep that as you go. Easter, resurrection of Christ, the death and resurrection of Christ, that is the core understanding of who we are, all right? So we never want to move by that quickly without making sure it makes a deep imprint and lasts, okay? Lasts throughout uh, the coming weeks, the coming months, the coming years in your life. So as we look, we do this with the intent of trying to keep it focused um, in your life, in your heart. So we're going to do one song, one that we sang on Easter Day. In your hymn books, it's page number 99. If you want to turn there, you can. It's always good to be thinking about these words. Christ the Lord is risen today. And again, that is the focus. And as we are going to look at this song, we're going to see uh, the depth of the song. We're going to see the power of the song. And hopefully you bring this along with you. The idea of music was God's idea, right? There is music. We have recorded throughout the Bible of music in heaven. Okay? Songs that the angels sing. And we see and understand little tiny bits of it. Music has a special way to connect into your heart, into your brain. And it works beyond things that oftentimes we even understand. Um, I have seen many times as we've gone caroling to folks uh, that have been wheelchair bound. Some that are even non-responsive. For many, many months, don't say words, don't even move their face, no facial expressions. I've seen people move their lips and say the things of songs from their childhood as we sing Christmas songs or things like that. So don't underestimate the power of having these songs in your head all the time. You may or may not be a singer. It doesn't really matter. What's behind the music is important. And uh, if you don't want to sing in public, sing to yourself. Okay? Have it in your heart, in your head, in your mind all the time. It brings about a, a, a different attitude towards life. So that's why we talk about these songs. Just not only so you get the tune in with it, but especially so you get the understanding behind it. Christ the Lord is risen today. Um, so page number 99. Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. Sons of men and angels say. Hallelujah. Raise your joys and triumphs high. Hallelujah. Sing ye heavens and earth reply. Hallelujah. All right. A beautiful, beautiful tune. 
And that is written by Charles Wesley. He was one of the greatest hymn writers that we've seen. Uh, I think he wrote over a thousand hymns, just loaded with purpose and scripture and things. So as we look at that first verse, we're going to turn to Acts. The book of Acts, chapter number 2, and we are going to see right after Christ rose from the dead, there were sightings for 40 days, and essentially this body of believers, this new body of believers, sat and waited. They sat and they waited, and they listened for what is God going to tell us, all right? And then finally, uh, the day of Pentecost comes. And again, there was, there was no notice that it was going to come. It just happened. And that's the way God works, right? Here's the day. Boom. I'm, I'm here. And he comes in like a rushing mighty wind. And there are tongues of fire over their heads. This is the spirit coming in on the people. Um, and Peter stands up. And he's got something to say to these people. Now, on that day, God's presence is working. So, this is really the day of Pentecost. And we're going to look again at Peter, at Peter's sermon on Pentecost Day because his understanding. Now, remember, just a few days before. This is the man that denied Christ, right? I don't even know the man. Cursing and swearing, I don't know the man. But after Christ has restored him, his boldness comes back in a way that you, don't, you can't hardly imagine. And his understanding of what had happened, of course, comes through the Spirit. So the Spirit comes in rushing like a mighty wind. And Peter stands up and says, I've got things to say to you people. And he just goes. And when he goes, by the end, over 3,000 people are converted on that very day. All right? So... God is working in a mighty way, and that's what we want to say as we look and see what he says on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter number 2, verse number 25, we'll start with verse number 25. This is in the middle of Peter's sermon. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to seek corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. All right. What does that have to do with anything? Well, Peter is talking about David. And way back when, King David had, he was up in the middle of the night. Okay? And as he was up in the middle of the night, he started to write this psalm, this song. Okay, And it came to him, and he starts to prophesy in the song. And it first says, I was glad. I was glad. And I was glad because... Now, he wrote it in the first person. 
I was glad the Holy One, or thy Holy One will not see corruption. Okay, that's one thing he said. Your Holy One will not see corruption. And a lot of people thought that he was talking about himself. David, that he would not see corruption. Okay, so basically his deterioration, not see corruption, he's talking about physical corruption of a body. The very unpleasant thing that happens with nature is after someone passes away, it does not take long before nature starts to claim it. Right? Things happen and it deteriorates quickly after death. But David is saying, you will not let your Holy One see corruption. And he also says, you will not let me stay in hell. That's what the psalm says, all right? Not let me stay in hell. So I'm going to be glad because you're not, not going to see corruption, and I'm not going to stay in hell. Now, that's an interesting thing to see, and Peter starts to explain it. And he says, you thought this was David speaking of himself. But there's a new understanding. And this is what the Holy Spirit does, is he gives you an understanding about it. Let's go to verse number 29. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us this day. He says, you thought David wasn't going to rot away. He's gone. He's gone. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with him an oath to him that the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on the throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses." Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he shed forth this, which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that the God... Uh, that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. All right? So he is saying, you expected David to be. And truthfully, it is out of his loins, this Jesus Christ that you just killed is the end of the prophecy. David was prophesying about the fruit of his loins. He was prophesying about Jesus Christ being the throne of David. There will be someone that will sit on the throne of David, and he will do this. He will not see corruption. He will not stay in hell. We do know that Jesus visited hell, all right, in between his death and his resurrection, but nothing could hold him there. He basically, he had a, some tasks to do, and in the end he said, I'll take the keys, and I'm going. All right? I got this place. It's under my control. All right? So he is in total control of this. 
It is Jesus Christ. Now Peter is saying, this is the understanding that you now have. On the day of Pentecost, the Christ, that Holy Spirit comes in, and you begin to open your mind to understand these things, right? That's the way prophecy oftentimes works, is you don't get a full understanding until the Holy Spirit gives you that full understanding. He comes as he will. He comes and gives understanding, okay? But you can't tell him what to do. That's not the way the Holy Spirit works. You can't say, well, you need to be here. You ask him. And that's what we do oftentimes uh, before the service and, and many times in private prayer. I know that the Holy Spirit, we ask him to come and tell me this. You can feel the difference in a service when the Holy Spirit comes. You can feel the difference. You know his presence when it comes, and you can feel that. And some of you have told me last week about things you felt and understood and saw and were touched by. And it wasn't the song, it was the Spirit working through those words. And so on this day, Peter's saying the same scripture that they'd said before, but there's new clarity and new understanding. And he says, this is Jesus. He did not stay in hell, and he did not see corruption. So he says, David's been long gone and rotted away. But Jesus, he died, and he was risen before one little bit of rot came to his body. It's kind of a disgusting thing to think about, but God says, I'm not going to let him deteriorate. All right? And so he's taken out and he's raised up from the dead. And that is what we are talking about. Christ the Lord is risen today. Sons of men and angels say, raise your joys and triumphs high, seeing you heavens and earth reply. The main thing that he's talking about is, I'm glad because this Christ that David didn't know yet was risen, right? He is going to be risen again. He's not going to be allowed to stay dead, which means he's going to come back alive, right? He is going to be risen again. Let's look back at Psalm chapter 16. Keep your finger in Acts. Look back at Psalm chapter number 16 where David says this because there's a couple of things that we want to get out of it a little bit deeper chapter 16 as we look directly at David's words that Peter's talking about start with verse 7 I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel my reins also instruct me in the night seasons. In other words, I wake up a lot in the night, and God's talking to me. I find out it's not just indigestion, that God's got a plan, and he's got something he's wanted to say to me. It's funny, sometimes God uses those physical things in our life, those discomforts and things, because we listen a little better sometimes. He says, get up. I got something to say to you. You're not listening all day long, but I need you quiet and I need your attention. 
And so David's got it right now in verse number 8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. In other words, as long as you keep him close to you, the very most important thing at your right hand, he will not be moved. He's going to be steady. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So as you keep God close to you, and, and David knew this well. David knew sin well, too, but he knew repentance and he knew coming back to God. He says, I want to be close. And if you draw near to God, you have three things. It says there in verse 11, you're going to see the path of life. See the path of life. God gives you clarity and understanding beyond oftentimes what others have. He can give you patience and calmness in the midst of when others are shaken by things. The deeper the trust you see in God of an individual, the less shakes them. Right? Physical things come. Not that you don't have feelings. It's not that you don't see those things. But you're not shaken to the core. You have depth. And when you have depth and roots in Christ, it says, I will not be moved. I'm okay. And I hope you see that. That's part of the reason why uh, my father fights so hard to preach a sermon this morning to you, one way or another. And people told him, you can't, you shouldn't, you can't, you shouldn't. And there's a lot of things that happened to make it happen. But he feels like he wants to make sure you know he's not moved. It's okay. Whatever happens, whatever the direction is okay. So to have a depth and an understanding because the hope is well beyond this life, right? The hope is far beyond it. So I know this pathway of life may lead me in very difficult places, but that's okay. It's okay. And in fact, it's not only just okay, but number two, I have joy in your presence. Not just joy, but I have fullness of joy. I can see beyond what's happening right to me this moment. Not that I know the future. I guess I know the ultimate future, right? Ultimate future is to be with the Lord. But I don't know the pathway that gets me there. I don't know my number of days. I don't know any of those things. But I can know joy in that regardless of the status and the pathway that gets me there, I'm okay. Christ is there. And he said, I'll go with you every step. And so you know fullness of joy. And not only that, when you start to see God for who he is. When you know Jesus, you start to get those little things that kind of just make you laugh. 
about life. You see something coming and you're like, oh boy, okay, here we go. And you kind of laugh at it and say, all right, God, I don't know what you're up to, but it's okay. I'll do it. You kind of laugh. And there are pleasures forevermore. Right? In his presence there are pleasures forevermore. And so a closeness to Christ brings about an understanding, a depth in your life. And that's what this song begins to say is raise your joys and triumphs high. Sing you heavens and earth reply. You should live with those joys. That's the understanding that Peter starts to have is you got to have joy about this. Peter says it and David says it. He, he expands on those things. Verse number two in the song. Love's redeeming work is done. Hallelujah. Fought the fight, the battle's won. Hallelujah. Death in vain forbids him rise. Hallelujah. Christ hath opened paradise. Hallelujah. Right? You shall not see corruption. That's what Peter says. That's what David said originally. The power of sin is death. The power of sin is death. And death comes from that sin, right? The day that Adam and Eve sinned, God says, you shall surely die. And it was in more ways than one. Death came to the human culture through that day and that time and that sin. Now back in Acts, I told you we'd be back in the book of Acts, chapter 2 again. A little bit more of Peter's sermon. We're going to start before our, the passage we did last time. Chapter 2, verse 22. As we talk about death. Uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, chapter 2, verse 22. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Him, Jesus Christ, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and you and by wicked hands you have crucified and slain whom God hath raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holden of it it talks about love's redeeming work is done fought the fight the battle won death in vain forbids him rise death has told every single human since Adam and Eve I'm coming for you, and you don't have a choice. You can't turn it around. You can't undo it. You can't cheat it. It's coming for you. Death has said that, and no human has ever been able to say, go ahead, do your worst, because when they say that, that's it. They, they take over. Death wins. 
until Christ came and death said, go ahead and try it. And he said, I got you. You're gone. Go ahead. Forbid me to rise up. I'm going to do it anyways. And so God says he loosed the pains of death. Death then had no power over him. It was weak. In the, in the power of Christ, death was weak. And so death was destroyed and made a triumph over on that day when he raised up from the dead. And because he did that, death said, you can't raise up. And he says, I'm going to raise up anyways. And when I do it, I'm coming in to paradise. I'm going to burst the gates open because I'm coming in. Belongs to me. That day when he rose from the dead, it says he went up into paradise. And on that day, he promised the thief on the cross, today you'll be there with me. He burst in and says, I got my first one. Come on in. Come on in. It's open and free now. Open and free. So he burst the gates open. God made sure that those shackles of death were broken and busted and thrown away. And so because he did that, he broke through first. He broke open that pathway, which allows us to continue. Verse 3 of the song Lives again our glorious King, hallelujah. Where, O oh, death, is now thy sting, hallelujah. Dying once, he all doth save, hallelujah. Where's thy victory, O oh, grave, hallelujah. And so we got to turn over to 1 Corinthians because that's where we get some of the depth of understanding. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, Paul writes about death and about Jesus overcoming death. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 53. Fifteen fifty-three, First Corinthians. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. And that's where Christ did it. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Christ is risen, and because he rose, right, because Christ rose, we will too. We are given the chance, the opportunity, we're given the ability through God to rise up just like he did. Right? We're given that opportunity. 
So we see, lives again our glorious king, where, O death, is now thy sting? Dying once, he all does save. Where's thy victory, O grave? We become incorruptible. We put on something new. Something like we've not seen here. Recognizable, yes. But being able to do things far beyond what our physical body of today can do. Called a glorified body. The body with which Christ walked after he was raised from the dead. Walked through walls. Showed up where he wanted to. Time and space were no longer binding him. Like they do us. Okay? I go up and run up to a wall and say I'm going to pass through it. There's only one way I'm passing through it and it's going to hurt. Okay? That's the only way it happens. For me now, when Christ with a glorified body says I want to be there, he's there. When he says I want to disappear with Cleopas and his friend, he's gone. He's no longer bound by space and time. He doesn't have to run seven miles back to Jerusalem. He can just show up there. All right? So it's something unique about the body, many things unique. Healed, no longer able to see death. We're going to put on incorruption in what we live in this corruptible body. If you don't think it's corruptible body, you maybe not been long enough, alive enough, right? Each day, things don't feel better, typically. Each decade, as you pass, you find more pain, right? Joints and things just don't work like they used to. And the muscles aren't as strong as they used to be. And maybe the bones aren't quite as strong as they used to be. And sickness and disease and old age deteriorate these bodies. They do it. But in the new body, when, when we have the body, the resurrection like Christ has, those will no longer be affecting us. Those are gone because those are all a part of the curse. Those are all a part of what God says you will surely die in the day that you eat of that fruit, in the day that you do that. So on the human race, in one sweep comes the sin of mankind. But Jesus goes and he is able to turn and reverse that around. Okay? Now, been visiting the hospital a lot lately, and you see that we are all mortal when you go to a hospital. I mean, they like to say it's a place of healing, and a lot of healing happens in those places. But there's a lot of very unhealthy people there. There's a lot of people struggling. And I have seen, and I worked uh, around a hospital and at a hospital for many years. They don't talk about this, but there are many people who go out not alive from those hospitals. And I'm not saying it is a bad thing. It's just the nature of being human and living in an, a corruptible body. It just doesn't last forever. But when Jesus comes through, he burst opens the gates and he says, I got it open for you and I've had victory over this grave. And so here in this life, yes, we will die. But we have been promised by the creator of the world that if we know him, if we love him, 
He will raise us up when that day comes. That final day comes. Jesus will never die again. And at his coming, we will never die again. Now, I left off in verse 57 in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, but I want to read verse number 58 because it's kind of depressing just thinking, oh, everything's just going to get worse and worse in our bodies, and this just hurts more. But that's not the point. There's something bigger. Verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Right? So we are put here not just to complain and get old. Though we get old and things hurt, we are put here for a purpose. And we are put here to work for the Lord, to be steadfast and unmovable. Regardless of the pathway, we talked a little about that. Regardless of what happens, always abounding. And abound, abundance is a whole lot more than you can fit, right? You want that much happening in your life for the Lord. You want to give every piece that you can for the Lord. I want you to know that just those little cards you signed today... That is one of those opportunities of abundance. The little card that gets handed to a surgeon somewhere way off that we'll probably never meet again. But that's an opportunity of abundance because there have been conversations and there have been things. And as that doctor walked into the office who had met my father before, I could hear him around the corner. He says, how's our pastor? First thing. And he comes in and he says, How's your, how was your Easter Sunday? And you know why he asked? Because my father was supposed to go in on Good Friday for his surgery. And he says, I'm not doing it. I got things I got to do. And the doctor says, yeah, but that's when I could do it. And he says, I don't care. You do when you can after that. I got more important things to do. And that made an impression on that doctor. Okay? And so... All those pieces put together try to abound in God's work. Those little things matter to people around. You don't know how you touch people. You don't know the opportunities. You don't know the pathway that God gives you. There is no mistakes. The people you meet, even sometimes one time. The clerk standing at the store that maybe you treated nicely and maybe you were the only one all day. Even if they didn't treat you nice, you don't know how much that could change their life. How much God can do with it. With your little bit of, I'm always aware, I'm always going to do this. Right? So we make a choice, and we do those things, and we try. All right. Uh, last verse in the, in the hymn. Soar we now where Christ has led, ah, hallelujah. Following our exalted head, ah, hallelujah. Made like him, like him we rise, ah, hallelujah. Ours the cross, the grave, the skies, ah, hallelujah. And so now we're called. We're called to soar. Right? 
Christ broke through and he blew the place apart. And he says, now you are behind me. Fly in that pathway. Come up high. Come up high just where I've been. And make sure everybody knows it around you. Not that you go and tell them everything. Look, I'm a Christian. Make them know that you're a Christian by what you do. Not by necessarily all the things you say, but how you act. Soar behind Christ, right? And now, because we are going to rise like Christ. To know him, we now can rise after death. When Christ, the day of Christ comes... We're going to be standing up out of the grave. Even if we've been there for a thousand years, it won't matter. God's going to raise us up. Those who know him, he's going to raise us up. And we've got victory over everything. So it's a time to be joyful. It's a time where when you go and face death, there's not the sting of it. Because you know the hope beyond. You know and you have Life in front of you, you've got a fullness of joy, and you've got pleasures forevermore. And you, with that is the winning combination. And so don't go around moping, oh, oh, church, i got to do this. So hard, and life's so hard. Go around and soar like an eagle as high as you can to say, it's okay, whatever it is. Even the hardships are okay. I'm right there with Christ. He doesn't let me go. He doesn't let me fall. He's right with me. And I'm going to have a risen body someday. And all the pain and all the hurt and all the things are going to be gone. Because he promised me. And I know him and I love him. Right? Jesus will never die again and neither will we. We sang a song on Easter morning, in that resurrection morning when the trump of God will sound. We shall rise, hallelujah, we shall rise. And the saints will come rejoicing and no tears will ever be found. We shall rise, hallelujah, we shall rise. In that resurrection morning when death's prison bars are broken, we shall rise, hallelujah, we shall rise. And so when we say, he is risen, he is risen risen indeed, right? Because it brings joy, fullness, and understanding. We don't live like normal people because our God is not normal. He's amazing. He's beyond all the normal things that we see. He's much higher than all that. So we're called to live higher. We're called to see more. Christ the Lord is risen today. So we want you to leave and live your lives with that always in mind. Because we're not like other people. We know Christ. When we know Christ, our lives can soar. Any little thing, all the little hardships come about as opportunities. And we know there's a path. And I'm okay walking it, whichever it is. So he is risen. He is risen indeed. indeed. Thank you very much. Have a good day.